Hello. Hello. I don't have anything else to say. I was trying to think of something creative and then it passed. Termites. What can we say? Ah, I hate them. I'm going to murder them all. I don't even know what a termite really looks like if I'm being honest. That's great. Keep it that way. What, What do they look like? There are two different kinds. There are ones that are just like really small bugs, like ants, honestly, but yeah. um, different structure, but same size. But the ones I have look like flying ants. Oh, so they fly like and they that. swarm. Oh. Uh, and I saw them because there was like 30 of them trapped between my window and my window se- or, uh, screen. The... Yeah. And I was like, that's weird that there would be that many flying ants. Because usually it's just like the queen ant that kind of looks yeah, like that. Yeah, usually there's just one. Yeah, and then I googled it and I was like, oh no. Son of a bitch. Termites. So I have removed the screens from all of my windows and I've sprayed and I've like taped the cracks. So when yeah. they tr- do try to get out, it's like they get caught. I see. That's my murdering spree with termites. Well, that's wonderful. There's literally nothing for me to really talk about that's going on <laughs> in my life. It's just applying for jobs, getting rejected from jobs, Ugh. applying for more jobs. The cycle is endless. I hope the cycle ends for you soon. Well, with the end of the WGA strike, yeah, there's hopefully. a chance. Some things on the horizon. Hopefully a lot of people will be getting hired here soon enough. Yeah. Once projects get going again. All we need is SAG-AFTRA yeah. to get what they're owed. And... Yeah. Yay for that deal. Looks like there are some good like uh, points that the strikers yeah. were hoping to be met, and they were. So. Yeah. Uh, good stuff sorry, there. folks. We won't be doing our review of the film until SAG-AFTRA is also given their fair share. Hopefully it'll be soon. Yeah. Hopefully so we can next. arrange a nice little... Since we couldn't have a, a Hobbit Day on uh, the Baggins' birthday bash, we could just do a little Hobbit Day of us and our Hobbit friends. You know I love a theme. Hobbit you know food. I love a reason to dress up. I love a reason to just go to that part of L.A. and hang out with you guys. <laughs> that's my that's my big reason. Just face it. We love hanging out with friends. I love hanging out with folks. Even if and it's like, the guy driving an hour. And that's the purpose of life. Yeah. Honestly, friends... Food, Fast and the Furious. Those are the things <laughs> that I care about in my life. Fast and the Furious. I'm going to be honest. I've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie. Wow. Something I have seen that you haven't. Yeah. Wow. What a I've, I've actually seen a few of them, too. Michelle Rodriguez. Mm. Mm, okay. Mm. Watch it for love, that alone. I, I love her in the D&D movie. What's the line? Something that when family's old that we've got. Some family. All I know is that Vin Diesel loves family, and everyone's a part of it. And The Rock is there for some reason. <laughs> oh, apparently he has a lot of quotes about family. Read me off a few. Uh, I don't have friends. I have family. There's right. always room for family. Oh, how many times does Vin Diesel say family? Oh, apparently only two of the 11 times the word is used. Oh, okay. Well, for some reason, everyone associates Vin Diesel with uh, yeah. family with Fast and Furious. Huh. Hmm. Nice. Hmm. How about that? What? Don't there, are there like a million Fast and Furiouses now? There's like 10. There's That's like a million. A, there's many. 
one of those franchises that you're like, how? Why? I don't know. I actually well, wonder how Twilight got so many fucking sequels. There are 12. There are 12? Oh my god. 12. I think I've only seen three, maybe four, which actually is oh, a lot for me. There, There's 12, but they're all unnecessary. <laughs> oh, goodness. Anyway, that was some good pre-banter. You're right. I don't think I have anything else. I'm like looking around at life. If you want to know about Tori's escapades in Italy, be sure to join our Patreon. For $5, you can hear about all the fun she got up to overseas. Mm-hmm. It was a fun time. Lots of castle hopping, lots of old buildings, lots of Lasta, lasta, lasta pasta. Lasta pasta. Well, that's our that's our restaurant. That's our restaurant. After we do, uh, (laughs) was it a a Silmarillion themed coffee shop? But we had a clever name Mm -hmm. for it. The it no, it was the name of that big iceberg area. The Halkaraxa. Yeah, it's like it starts with an H. Wow. I mean, it's a complicated enough word that we'd get, like, the really bougie white people from fucking Beverly Hills being like, oh my gosh, it sounds so foreign. Let's go. They don't even know they're, like, secretly nerdy. That it's like and then, the yeah, we're state. the meme of, like, the guy at the party. Like, they don't even know it's a Lord <laughs> of the Rings reference. We're catering to both sides. This is a brilliant yeah. endeavor, honestly. Honestly. Because <laughs> everyone knows, like, property values in the Los Angeles area are incredibly cheap. We could totally get this thing started. Uh, but yeah yes yes yeah good travels it was a lot of fun i turned 30 hello to my 30s um we'll see if they're dirty we'll see if they're flirty we'll see we'll see if you get a hurdy-gurdy we'll see all sorts of things that could happen when you're 30 uh, it sounds like a, a children's book Dr. what will happen when you're 30 so will report you back. be a little flirty Perhaps if anyone will know, listeners of this podcast will know. You might even play a hurdy gurdy. What is a hurdy gurdy? Is that real? A hurdy gurdy, yeah. It's a it's an instrument that you hold on your side, and then you gotta like turn a crank to make it go. Look up, yeah. Oh. Look at hurdy gurdy, yeah. And it's like oh. medieval music uses it a lot. I was about to say this like looks that. like something that should be at the run fair. Yeah, no, like, I guarantee you people at the Ren Fair are, like, playing that. Speaking of, I will be at Boston Ren Fair October 14th. Yeah, you get to do, you get to do another Ren Fair this there. year? Dude, I haven't even told you about my upcoming travels. God. Well, oh, God. Tell me. Next week, I'll be... So I know you're gone next week. In yeah. Hawaii. And the week mm-hmm. after, I will be East Coastin'. I have a show in D.C., and then I'm working the rest of the week in Boston, mm-hmm. so that on Saturday, I can go to Boston Ren Fair. I'm excited. Uh, Boston Ren Fair is fun. You've gone before? Uh-huh. I went last year. Um, and it's like, it's nice because it's, uh, LA's Ren Fair is very summery. It's by like a lake mm-hmm. in a park. It's oh, but hot you want to get the autumn vibes. Yeah. yeah. And then in Boston, the like the 
leaves are turning orange. It's like a wooded foresty area and the booths are like in the forest. So you're walking around and you like can't see what's next because you're just going between trees. You can get um, like hot happened... cider and stuff. Yeah. I happened to run into like the critical role meetup when I was there dressed as Bo. I'm planning to do a level 10 bow this time. Ooh. If I can get it together. Um, I'll be meeting Wool there. Excited hey! to see Wool again. Love Wool. Uh, and then my friend Dan and Chess. Dan. Also another internet friend. So I'm excited. I know Dan. Yeah. Oh, Dan. Yeah, uh, yeah. I drove with him through the desert. It was you amazing. Did. He got to <laughs> you see did. Me you get, bonded. He got to see me get really sick going through the fucking mountains outside LA after eating uh in and out and being like nah take the really curvy road it's gonna be fine and then oh my god did you guys like take the curvy road in la because the president was in town yes well i think there were some people that had to take a different like off freeway because yeah no yeah that's why that's why because we couldn't take the interstate we had to of course he would be there when all of my friends are trying to get to my hometown (laughs) Yeah, we had to take the curvy road and then go like right through the desert, past like Mojave and all these places. Oh, uh, yeah, just yep. like it was a fun journey, though. It was. I was that like, was a fun I got, car. I got to see California outside of the Los Angeles area. Yeah. I got to see the high desert and all that, mm-hmm. so that was fun. But yeah, good for Dan. Good for Dan <laughs> to see you again. Good for him. I love Dan. Good old Danny boy. Shall I'll tell you what I'm. It? doing uh nothing 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 whatsoever if anyone is doing anything in the los angeles area let me know i'm bored out of my fucking mind well we're going dancing this friday slash when i hear this this it will already happened i'm always excited to go dancing can't wait we'll see what escapades happen at this one escapades 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 all right (laughs) three Two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Silly Marillion. As always, I am your host, Paul, a hobbit being carried along on this group of Urukai called Life. And joining me is my fellow captive, Tori. Tori, how are you? Oh, I was going to say I'm good, but not if we're captives. We are. We are captives of, of life. That's what we are. <laughs> God vibes. I'm good, Paul. I'm fresh off vacation, so I'm good with sleepy and jet lag. Oh, I also got boosted, so I am extra sleepy from two. Oh, wonderful. Extra extra delightfully sleepy. That's why I'm drinking a coffee at 5 p.m. on a Thursday. Yeah. Today, Thursday. Thursday. I don't even know what day it is. It is Thursday. (laughs) Goodness. Good to see that you're on your uh, A game for the podcast. Well, joining us. I don't know why I said joining us. Joining us. Who else is joining us? I was like, ghost guest star. Surprise! It's Peter Jackson. Damn, our budget really went up if we have Peter Jackson. 
It really did. It really uh, went up in uh, in shout value. Shout out to our patrons who helped fund our mysterious Peter shout Jackson. Shout out to death. our patrons who helped us fund kidnapping Peter Jackson. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work, but you know what? I think it's paid off. He's the one who's trapped by the Urukai, and we are the Urukai. We are the Urukai. Oh, goodness. But yeah, welcome back, everyone. This is uh, our read through of The Two Towers. Uh, Chapter three, Tori's baby. Tori's first read through of it all. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And we are, for the first time in this book, moving away from the point of view of Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, yeah. the three hunters. UV change. And we're going to see what the hobbits are up to, or at least what two of the hobbits are up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't get Frodo and uh, Sam until much later in the book. But uh, with the update that we get with Marion Pippin, things are not looking too good, considering the fact that the title of the chapter is the Urukai. And yeah. it's like, hmm, wonder mm. what this is about. I feel like this is the first time you really get to see orcs and uh, the villains kind of doing their villainy thing. Yeah, it's the first time we really get to see uh, how the orcs work as a group. Because before, yeah. they're just like this threat that's over there, and mm-hmm. then they're attacking you. They just like, kind of pop in it. and out, and they fight, and they're dead. And they're I don't back. think there's been any dialogue with orcs until yeah. this point. Yeah, and you see a little bit of orc politics which i thought was so fascinating yeah orc culture Mm -hmm. so what we do get also that i think is really interesting is we get to see more on the inside of pippin uh and how his mind works before a lot of it has just been from frodo's point of view and we just see like pippin as this goofball in this whole chapter right yeah i believe so yeah i thought that was interesting that we're still, like, kind of yeah. focused on one character's point of view. Like, usually it's Frodo's. Mm-hmm. Now it's Pippin. Yeah, it's usually, like, Frodo's, but also, like, a bit of the overarching, like, it's the narrator, but the narrator is focused on Frodo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's all very interesting. But, yes, we start this uh, chapter with Pippin waking up and from having a horrible bad dream where essentially he was running out and calling for Frodo and then a bunch of orc hands came out of the darkness and grabbed him. And terrifying. How terrifying. Yeah. It's hor- horrific. Again, part of Jimmy's like horror, horror uh, passion. You see it come mm-hmm. through there a little bit. Uh, when he comes to, he remembers though all the things that happened. He goes into detail of what happened with Boromir back in the grove how he saved mary and pippin but then they were attacked again and he couldn't save them and the last thing that he remembered was uh boromir leaning against a tree plucking out an arrow and then he was rendered unconscious how sad to be in this battle and just see like your ally getting pegged arrow after arrow and like kind of curious why they're not attacking you i'm sorry (laughs) he said getting pegged oh god I meant it so innocently, too. Why just say getting shot? Just say getting shot. Shot with arrows. Getting shot. Arrow after arrow. Let Boromir get pegged. Let Boromir... 2023. That's going to be our next uh, merchandise item. 
It's just gonna be a t-shirt that says, let Boromir get pegged. Oh my god. I, uh, this Gondor. is now this is now a tangent, but I was talking with a friend about how I really hope my coworkers don't listen to this podcast because there was one episode when all we did was talk about a Silmarillion sex toy line, and I don't need people to listen to that. Well, not to mention the sheer number of nine eleven jokes we've made within the past few episodes. Like, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, it might it would probably be for the benefit of I us apologize that some of the folks we know IRL do not look into. God, anyway, will that, will that be pegged. when we're when we're rich and famous? Will that be the drama that comes out that gets us canceled in the future? We just made too many nine eleven jokes in our. In our Lord of the Rings podcast. Oh. Goodness. Well. I stand my ground. <laughs> <laughs> so Boromir gets pegged with arrows and dies. Stop saying this. <laughs> yes, he, he <laughs> dies. He gets shot with I, arrows this, and dies. This line is so sad from Pippin. Uh, where he's just kind of, he's sad, he's cold, he's sick. He says, I wish Gandalf had never persuaded Elrond to let us come. What good have I been? Just a nuisance, a passenger, a piece of luggage. And now I've been stolen and I am just a piece of luggage for the orcs. So he kind of, he just feels like a burden now. I'm also now picturing Pippin on those conveyor belts at the airport with like a little tag. Yeah, it's like in Toy Story 2 when they're going through all like the, the complicated conveyor belts in the back. It's just Pippin, lo- like, sitting there looking completely lost. Like, Ejected. oh, where am I? Poor lost luggage Pippin. But yeah, oh man, it does feel like that sometimes when... I I felt like that very recently with being unemployed and being unable to really, mm-hmm. like, pay for stuff as much. I'm like, I'm a burden. I'm a, lu- I'm a piece of luggage who got sent to L.A. And I'm like, here now. And I'm like... Ha- Wait, come on. Help. Not sent to LA, requested. And we don't mind paying for your slices of pizza. <laughs> God, pizza does sound good right now. I might go to Little Caesars after this. Anyway. So, oh, what if we got Little Sorry, bit. no, you know, I'm not going to get distracted. I was I'm like, what if we get Little Caesars to Back on track. This? Back on track. Yes. All right. We have a limited time. So. He's struggling. There's an orc here who's like, stop wiggling. You're not going anywhere. Can you say what he says in his speech? Yes, in orcish. Please. It honestly reminds me of Welsh with all the consonants and like noises. Don't say orcish is Welsh. They're gonna hate that. Sorry, Welsh. Sorry, Welsh listeners. Sorry to all our Welsh listeners. <laughs> Yours is a is a language of beauty and uniqueness, and I value it. That's what I was saying. But, uh, yeah, we do, like, this is our first time really talking with orcs. And, granted, it's from Pippin's point of view, but then he also gets, like, after the, he's done being threatened by these two orcs, he listens in and realizes a lot of them are just talking in common and it's because not all of them speak the same type of orcish like there are dialects there are different types of orcish and they're just not all uh combining to talk about it together so 
Uh, that's one fun little uh, look into the world of orcs that we get that Tolkien gives. Like, uh, hashtag not all orcs. Not all orcs speak ah. the same orc language, okay? I didn't some know of them that speak, until now. Some of them speak northern orc and others speak southern orc. Very ignorant dialects. of you to just say orc. They have different slang. Yeah. Some orcs say no cap. Some orcs say hella. Along with their differences of language, they also have a difference of opinion when it comes to dealing with these prisoners. There are essentially three camps in this orc band. First, there are orcs who came all the way from Moria and like were basically hunting down the Fellowship to get revenge for them killing a bunch of them when they were in Khazad-dûm and trying to escape. Uh, and they, they're just here to kill them. They don't want anything... They don't want to leave them alive. They just want to kill them. The second group are the Isengard orcs, the big Urukai, the great warriors who apparently are the ones who are responsible for uh, killing Boromir. They take the credit mm. for slaying the great warrior, they say. And they are led by Ugluk, who is their uh, mm -hmm. captain. And their mission is basically don't harm the halflings, but bring them to Isengard. They have something important on them. Don't even don't even search them. Just bring them mm -hmm. to Isengard. Saruman wants them. So are these the only ones that are called the Urukai? Are the ones from Isengard? Yes, because uh, Kai or or High, the hyphen High uh, mm -hmm. means people in Elvish, I believe. Hey guys, post production Paul here. Uh, I'm just throwing this in now because I know I'd probably get called on it later. Uh, it is not high in Elvish. It's like there is no high in Elvish. Urukai is an orc word. They call themselves Uruks, and high for them means people. Uh, it's not Elvish whatsoever. Just, just don't comment. Don't mention it. Okay, back to the show. Um, and Uruk oh. means orc in Elvish. But Uruks and Orcs are not the same thing, technically. Uruks are like a a type of big Orc. Like, okay. the first Uruks we hear about in the lore are Black Uruks from Mordor. And they're like the big champion warriors of, Sar of Sauron that he sends out and kills. Like, there are regular Orcs, and then there are Uruks. Okay. Urukai are Saruman's modified Uruks. Which is later implied in chapters that he's combining orcs and humans into one breed, essentially. Whoa. And That's metal. The yeah, but then there's also like this gross implications of how he's doing that. Yeah. Is he kidnapping that can women? Get dark and real yeah. fast. Luckily, like, like Tolkien only like kind of dances over it, and then he's like, "But that's not important. That's not part of the story." Yeah. So, but like, yeah, it is kind of like a dark little hint at something uh, mm. that, that there's something fucked up going on in Isengard. But yeah, Urukai are these Uruks who are able—they're able to like defy the sun. Most orcs hate being out oh. in the sunlight. These are the ones who can keep going through the sunlight no matter what. Okay. And the third group? The third group uh, is also wants the hobbits alive, but this is a group from Mordor. 
who serve uh, the Great Eye, they refer to. And they, they come from Lugbors, which is what they call Baradur, which is the Dark Tower where Sauron is. And they are led by Grishnach, who is a very kind of like sinister. Ugluk is this very deep, barrel chested. Grishnach <laughs> is kind of like this more. He's sneaky, he's low in tone, he's slippery. Um, okay. And he talks about how they need to bring them back to the river because there's a Nazgul there waiting to basically fly off with their prize. Mm. Okay, so the those ones are of Sauron. Yeah. The Isengard ones are Saruman? Yes. Okay. And then the Moria ones, but they suck so much that no one gives <laughs> a, a damn. Taking um, notes, I'm taking notes. Yeah. And you can see, like, there's arguments. The Urukai are very loyal to Saruman. He's their creator, and they're like, oh, we must bring the ring to him. And Grishnak says, I believe, is Saruman the master of the Great Eye? We should go back at once to Lugburz. And there's very much an argument over where they should go. Uh, or if they even should keep the prisoners, or if they should just kill them. The Moria works are basically ignored, and it's Grishnach and Ugluk who are constantly butting heads as these two captains of these two groups. Uh, but Ugluk seems to have more men, and they are stronger, and they can move in the sunlight, as opposed to Grishnach and his boys, who can only really... They can move during the sunlight, but they fucking hate it, and they're mm. just... They don't like it. Uh, and so Ugluk has this whole speech of... Uh, I don't trust you, little swine. You've got no guts outside your own styes. But for us, you'd have all run away. We are the fighting Urukai. We slew the great warrior. We took the prisoners. We are the servants of Saruman the Wise, the white hand, the hand that gives us man's flesh to eat. We came out of Isengard and led you here, and we shall lead you back by the way we choose. I am Ugluk. I have spoken. And Grishnak fights back with, You've spoken more than enough, Ugluk. I wonder how they would like it in Lugburz. They might think that Ugluk's shoulders needed relieving of a swollen head. They might ask where his strange ideas come from. Did they come from Saruman, perhaps? Who does he think he is, setting up his own with his filthy white badges? They might agree with me, with Grishnak, their trusted messenger. And I, Grishnak, say this. Saruman is a fool, and a dirty, treacherous fool. But the great eye is on him. Swine, is it? How do you folk like being called swine by the muckrakers of a dirty little wizard? It's orc flesh they eat, I'll warrant. Really throwing out insults, and I love it. Oh, yeah, no, it's like they are not fucking stopping. Yeah. And swords are drawn, and Ugl calls up his men, and immediately they, like, kill two of the Moria orcs who were arguing. Also, oh, metal. Them. It's, like, immediately chopped off their heads, right? Yeah. And then Grishnak just kind of pulls back into the shadows and goes away. Oof. Yeah, without warning, Ugluk sprang forward with two swift strokes, swept the heads off two of his opponents. Hard four. Rolled a nat 20 on that one. Mm-hmm. Just one swing. Whap! Dang. Fucking dead. So then that kind of ends the argument for now. Yeah. Like while they were doing this, like Pippin was trying to cut his his bonds on like a dropped knife, but mm -hmm. they quickly like uh oh wait he does succeed yeah I forget he 
succeeds in cutting its bonds, but he pretends he's still tied up. Yeah, and like kind of ties it so it looks like he's still captured, but he can undo the knot easily. Clever. Hobbits are so clever. I keep saying that. Mm -hmm. Clever little hobbits. And then they get picked up like sacks, and then they run some more. And we already see the sign that the Rohirrim are watching because scouts come back and say there was one horseman, but he rode away. And they're basically like, oh, you fucking idiots. You should have shot him. He'll raise the alarm. The cursed horse breeders will hear of us by morning. Now we'll have to leg it double quick. Yeah, that was kind of a dumb move on them. Not Mm. just to be found and not do anything about it. Good for Merry and Pippin, however. Uh, But Merry is... Because he sustained a wound when they were first attacked. And the orcs have been tending it in orc fashion. In that they've put some darks, uh, they take like stuff, like dark stuff from a box and smear it on his forehead. Yum. But it works. Yeah. And I think it says he'll, uh, oh, the gash on his forehead gave him no more trouble, but he bore a brown scar to the end of his days. Yep. Which, that's some strong stuff. That's some yeah. Neosporin right there. Orc Neosporin. <laughs> I was trying to, Neo Orcson? That's uh, not <laughs> Uh, and as they're running, Oog looks like, okay, just keep running. And the orcs, uh, the northerners say, what do we do <laughs> if the sun rises? And Oog says, go on running. What do you think? <laughs> Sit on the grass and wait for the white skins to join the picnic? But we can't run in the sunlight. You'll run with me behind you. Run, Damn. or you'll never see your beloved holes again. By the white hand. What's the use of sending you mountain maggots on a trip only half trained? Mountain maggots. Yeah. These words, these name calling. Oh, and they also, so they make Mary and Pippin run as well. And to give them energy, yeah. they make them drink from a flask. That, yeah, just a really g- gross I'm imagining liquor. it's like a monster energy drink, but dirt flavored. And... At, while they're running at some point, there's uh they run into some mist during like the very early morning. And Pippin sees his chance now and he quickly runs to the right and like heads off into the mist trying to hide from the orcs. Uh they quickly find him and bring him back. Not before he drops something. Yeah. Yeah, that's he it's, and he gets the chance to drop the uh brooch that he got in Lothlorien, that we uh, had Aragorn and the rest find when they were pursuing in the last chapter. I did love that little note, because we already know Aragorn finds it. And it mm-hmm. was cute to see, kind of, we're going back in time, um, seeing what happened and how Pippin was able to do so. And also, like, it's reassuring because Pippin doesn't have hope. Because after he does that, he says, There I suppose it will lie until the end of time. Yeah. I don't know why I did it. If the others have escaped, they've probably all gone with Frodo. Mm. God, so sad. And then he gets... A lot of it's running. Whipped. A lot of it's forced running. We're always running. We're always, always running and walking and marching and paddling. Going from one place to another. Uh, he gets whipped for what he does. It's really kind of a dark chapter Mm -hmm. uh the orcs are fighting again on what to do uh a lot of the moria orcs decide to run off into the forest once they're getting close to fangorn uh and uh grishnak and his group 
have finally caught up again. And so Ugla breaks Grishnak's balls a bit, like, hey, oh, so you finally decided to join us, huh? Mm-hmm. And Grishnak's like, yeah, well, I'm here because I have orders to follow, and there are some good orcs among you who I don't want to see you get killed. So I'm, gonna, I'm here to help them. Uh, and at this point, they are being pursued by the Rohirrim. They can hear distant ho- hoofbeats, they can see them in the distance, and they know they're getting closer. And They have to just keep running, uh, because so long as they're on this open terrain in Rohan, they are vulnerable. So mm. the closest cover they have is Fangorn Forest, and they're going to try to make it there in time. And then Merry and Pippin get slung again like luggage. Yeah, basically. They're not fast they're not able to keep up, and ever since Pippin's stunt of running off into the mist and escaping for like two minutes, uh, they've been keeping a, a harsher eye on them. They they do get closer and closer to the point that Pippin is like sorrowfully like lamenting the fact that they they will make it, they will escape. All while they're kind of keeping an eye on the horses behind them and the way the Rohirrim are doing it is actually pretty clever because they're penning them in they have riders out on the sides and anytime orcs try to veer in one direction the horsemen come in and shoot a few with their arrows and then yeah, pull back like gorilla attacking yeah and or like uh if orcs were sheeps and they were sheep herders from all angles uh, finally, they get so tired that they're almost to the forest, but they have to rest as night falls. And that's uh, the time for the riders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's also dangerous because Ugluk gives the order that if the Rohirrim break through, the guards looking over Marion Pippin are to kill them, basically. Yeah. If they can't have them, no one can. Like, Marion Pippin get a chance to talk a little bit more. For the first and, time. Yeah. Well, not the first time, because there was earlier when uh, Mary is like kind yeah. of trying to stay lighthearted. It's like, oh, so you've come along on this expedition as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be able to joke and jest during all of this, keep well, he's those got spirits it, high. He's got, he's got to look after his little cousin. He's trying to keep him from yeah. you know, being too depressed. I feel like this is kind of the first time, though, where they're able to like kind of check in, see how they're doing, realize they're hungry, and like have Lembus in there. Pockets. Mm-hmm. And then Pippin is just about to be like, let him know his hands are free. Then they get kicked and stuck again and guarded by orcs. The, the Yeah, by now the horsemen are cutting them off from the forest and they can't break through. And the orcs are like, why don't we just break through? And Ugluk's like, yeah, no, these guys have great night vision. Like, they're still able to shoot us pretty easily. We have to think of a plan. But while he and his orcs are distracted with how they're going to break through the Rohirrim and reach the forest, uh, Mary and Pippin get a little visitor. Pippin and Mary sat up. Their guards, Isengarders, had gone with Ugluk. But if the hobbits had any thought of escape, it was soon dashed. A long, hairy arm took each of them by the neck and drew them close together. Dimly they are aware of Grishnok's great head and hideous face between them. His foul breath was on their cheeks. He began to paw them and feel them. Pippin shuddered as hard, cold fingers groped down his back. Well, my little ones, said Grishnok in a soft whisper. Join your nice rest, or not. 
a little awkwardly placed, perhaps, swords and whips on one side, and nasty spears on the other. Little people should not meddle in affairs that are too big for them. His fingers continued to grope. There was a light like a pale, hot fire behind his eyes. The thought came suddenly into Pippin's mind, as if caught direct from the urgent thought of his enemy. Grishnok knows about the ring. He's looking for it, while Ukluk is busy. Probably wants it for himself. Cold fear was in Pippin's heart, yet at the same time he was wondering what use he could make of Grishnok's desire. I don't think you'll find it that way, he whispered. It isn't easy to find. Find it, said Grishnok. His fingers stopped crawling and gripped Pippin's shoulder. Find what? What are you talking about, little one? For a moment Pippin was silent. Then suddenly in the darkness he made a noise in his throat. Golem! Golem! Nothing, my precious. He added. The hobbits felt Grishnok's fingers twitch. Oh, oh hissed the goblin softly. That's what he means, is it? Oh, very, very dangerous, my little ones. Perhaps, said Mary, now alert and aware of Pippin's guess. Perhaps, but not only for us. Still, you know your own business best. Do you want it or not? And what would you give for it? Do I want it? Do I want it? Said Grishnok, as if puzzled, but his arms were trembling. What would I give for it? What do you mean? We mean, said Pippin, choosing his words carefully, that it's no good groping in the dark. We could save you time and trouble. But you must untie our legs first, or we'll do nothing and say nothing. My dear tender little fools, hissed Grishnok, everything you have and everything you know will be got out of you in due time. Everything. You'll wish there was more that you could tell to satisfy the questioner. Indeed, you will, quite soon. We shan't hurry the inquiry. Oh, dear, no. What do you think you've been kept alive for? My dear little fellows, please believe me when I say that it was not out of kindness. That's not even one of Ugluk's faults. I find it quite easy to believe, said Mary, but you haven't got your prey home yet, and it doesn't seem to be going your way, whatever happens. If we come to Isengard, it won't be the great Grishnok that benefits. Saruman will take all that he can find. If you want anything for yourself, now's the time to do a deal. Grishnok began to lose his temper. The name of Saruman seemed specially to enrage him. Time was passing and the disturbance was dying down. Ugluk or the Isengarders might return at any moment. Have you got it? Either of you? He snarled. Gollum! Gollum! Said Pippin. Untie our legs! Said Mary. They felt the orc's arms trembling violently. Curse you, you filthy vermin! He hissed. Untie your legs. I'll untie every string in your bodies. Do you think I can't search you to the bones? Search you, I'll cut you both to quivering shreds. I don't need the help of your legs to get you away and have you all to myself. Suddenly he seized them. The strength in his long arms and shoulders was terrifying. 
He tucked them one under each armpit and crushed them fiercely to his sides. A great stifling hand was clapped over each of their mouths. Then he sprang forward, stooping low. Quickly and silently he went until he came to the edge of the knoll. There, choosing a gap between the watchers, he passed like an evil shadow out into the night, down the slope and away westward towards the river that flowed out of the forest. In that direction there was a wide open space with only one fire. After going a dozen yards, he halted, peering and listening. Nothing could be seen or heard. He crept slowly on, bent almost double. Then he squatted and listened again. Then he stood up, as if to risk a sudden dash. At that very moment, the dark form of a rider loomed up right in front of him. A horse snorted and reared. A man called out. Grishnok flung himself on the ground flat, dragging the hobbits under him. Then he drew his sword. No doubt he meant to kill his captives rather than allow them to escape or to be rescued, but it was his undoing. The sword rang faintly and glinted a little in the light of the fire away to his left. An arrow came whistling out of the gloom. It was aimed with skill or guided by fate, and it pierced his right hand. He dropped the sword and shrieked. There was a quick beat of hooves, and even as Grishnok leaped up and ran, he was ridden down and the spear passed through him. He gave a hideous, shivering cry and lay still. The hobbits remained flat on the ground as Grishnok had left them. Another horseman came riding swiftly to his comrade's aid. Whether because of some special keenness of sight, or because of some other sense, the horse lifted and sprang lightly over them, but its rider did not see them, lying covered in their elven cloaks, too crushed for the moment, and too afraid to move. Unseen. That was scary. Yeah. They're really having a great time here. They got searched worse than the TSA. Mm -hmm. Had another little clever Hobbit moment. Uh, yes. Kind of played the part to really save their lives. Yeah. Because the only thing keeping them alive is the fact that everyone thinks they have the ring. So they mm -hmm. just had to keep playing with that. So clever of them to play that they did. And Rishnok got killed. And it doesn't say who here. But did you mention that you think it was uh, Aomir? Uh, we do not know. It's just a writer uh, mm. who's coming in to basically attack uh, the orcs or keep them where they should be, penned in. Uh, we do know that it's uh, Aomir who kills Ugluk, though. Mm. Uh, we just don't know who kills uh, Grishnach. Uh, but yeah, eventually... As Merry and Pippin are trying to scuttle away, the riders begin their attack. And they are able to cut their bonds off of Grishnok's sword. And they crawl and then eventually run uh, to get undercover. And the only mm -hmm. place that they have to really go to is Fangorn Forest. Mm -hmm. As they are walking along, though, to get away... They do have some lovely hob interactions of, you seem to have been doing well, Master Took, said Mary. <laughs> You'll get almost a chapter in old Bilbo's book if ever I get a chance to report to him. Good work, especially guessing that hairy villain's little game and playing up to him. But I wonder if anyone will ever pick up your trail and find that brooch. I should hate to lose mine, but I'm afraid yours is gone for good. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm glad you dropped your brooch so they could find us, but I kind of like mine. I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to risk A little keepsake. It. It's it's very cute that like they still have their spirits after something so terrifying. Mm-hmm. And just 
I don't suppose you have much notion where we are, but I spent my time at Rivendell rather better. We are walking west along the Entwash. The butt end of the Misty Mountains is in front in Fangorn Forest. Lead on, Master Brandybuck, said Pippin, or lead back. We have been warned against Fangorn, but one so knowing will not have forgotten that. I have not, answered Mary, but the forest seems better to me all the same than turning back into the middle of a battle. True that, true that. I love the idea of Mary just, like, exploring the Rivendell uh, libraries and reading maps and learning a little bit during mm-hmm. their time. And, yeah, they hurry uh, away into the trees. And I love this. Out of the shadows, the hobbits peeped, gazing back down the slope. Little furtive figures in the dim light looked like elf children in the deeps of time, peering out of the wild wood in wonder at their first dawn. Hmm. And they witness the battle before they finally turn away. Uh, but we are informed. So it was that they did not see the last stand when Ugluk was overtaken and brought to bay at the very edge of Fangorn. There he was slain at last by Eomer, the third marshal of the Mark, who dismounted and fought him sword to sword. And over the wide fields, the keen-eyed riders hunted down the few orcs that had escaped and still had strength to fly. Then they laid their fallen comrades in a mound and sung their praises. The riders made a great fire and scattered the ashes of their enemy. So ended the raid, and so no news came of it ever back to Mordor or to Isengard. But the smoke of the burning rose high to heaven and was seen by many watchful eyes. Man, the horse girls really went crazy there. It was like, how they many orcs were there? I I want to say there were like hundreds. I don't know I, if there's this yeah, chapter. Yeah, there was at said. least a hundred, I think. Uh, and do you think there were that many riders? I remember them saying there, that, that number, I have that number in my head for a reason. I don't know if this, it was this uh, chapter looking the chapter it up, before. It's estimated Ugluk commanded between 80 and 100 orcs. Mm-hmm. And that's just his And that was just portion. his, yeah. Way to go, Riders oh, of Rohan. There were Way to sweep. Combined with the Moria orcs and the uh, Mordor orcs, they numbered 200 when they were attacked by the Rohirrim. Yeah. Do we know how many Riders there were? Uh, or estimated? So... Eomer leads an Aorid. Ah, okay. So, 120 men attacked the orcs. Wow. The 200 orcs. Against 200 orcs. But the orcs. men were on horses, remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they lost 15. That's impressive. Yeah. Only 15 out of 200 <laughs> deaths to the orcs. Not a bad, not a bad, uh, evening out. Yeah. And our hobbits escaped. Yes, and our hobbits escaped, but into the wilds of Fangorn Forest, against which they were warned about going into. Mm-hmm. And the next chapter says Treebird. Treebird. Treebeard. Tree- I'm excited to meet Trebird. Hello, Trebird. Give me the ants. Ants, ants, ants. Give me the ants. It sounds like ants, ants, ants. Ants, 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 ants. on Friday. <laughs> I oh god now I need to see like clubbing ants where they're moving <laughs> like they're dancing but it's really slow so it's just oops, 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 I can see them doing some disco and they have some like mirror balls hanging from their branches just a uh, very one of slow them puts one of bump. those like lights that just goes all around and... yeah 
Ain't no party like an ant party. Ain't no party like an ant party. <laughs> that will that might have to be next episode's title. Yeah, and no that's party good. like I'm an writing ant party. it down. Too bad this one's just about Urukai. <laughs> that's stuff. And with that, right. thank our people. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of our podcast. As always, if you so desire, you could join our Patreon for monthly rewards, such as a podcast episode for $5, where we're just talking about whatever strikes our fancy. Uh, or for $10, you can join our movie club. Uh, this month's movie club, this last month, I should say, September, was Cheetah Girls, which it should be up Cheetah by girls, the time... Cheetah Girls, Cheetah Girls 2, sorry. Not Cheetah Girls, Cheetah Girls 2. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Which should be up by the time that this episode comes out. Uh, so you can go listen to that. Uh, we have the recording, but then we also do live watches on our Discord for those who are interested. I'm so excited to watch the Cheetah Girls 2 with y'all. Uh, so and special thanks, as always, to those who aren't our patrons but have helped out our podcast anyway. Uh, Wool for our co- the miraculous cover art. Uh, thank you, Wool. And Jack Hook for our wonderful intro and outro music. And just thank you all for supporting the podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And thanks we'll see for you listening next time. to our shit. Thanks for Ba-da. listening to our shit. But uh.